Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that post next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mears. Absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Woo! Good to be with you. Good to have that DMX backdrop. I've been hitting that DMX so hard since the uh, the news of his passing over the weekend. What an absolute legend. I mean, it takes me back to the 1990s in Metro West Boston, Ken Flo, driving around. Smoke coming out the windows. Just kidding, but uh, everything else is true. <laughs> but, man, uh, that dude, man, DMX, you know, uh, one of the things that's hard, I think, is as you get older, you know, all the people around you, you know, start to pass away. And this one hit pretty heavy. So a uh, little tribute to DMX off the top. How are you this morning, kid? I'm doing good, man. Dog. Dude. That's my man in there. Uh, you so, right, right. How, how about the So what I'm saying? I mean, also, it's just I I was a huge DMX fan, but also, you know, so many MMA fighters have come out to his music and and it's kind of synonymous at this point. He was part of a wasn't he part of like a hip hop MMA show at one point uh, on BET? He may have been, but I know he was a fan and loved the fight game and was one of the realest rappers ever. There was a story about DMX where for his. I believe for his like interview in front of Russell Simmons, right? He had his jaw broken and he had his jaw wired shut. Right. And he did a freestyle for Russell Simmons with his jaw wired shut. Of course he did. <laughs> like that's did. just, that's, I, I, I remember hearing that story way back in the day. I believe that was the story. And I, I, I remember it had an impact on me. I'm like, this dude wanted to chase his dreams. He was a real dude. He rapped about real shit. And, uh, he was gangster to the end, man. No doubt about it. And you know who sounds good after DMX? Almost no one, right? We certainly aren't <laughs> exactly. going to sound good following DMX. If I'm not mistaken, he voiced the pay-per-view open for UFC 196. So uh, maybe want to go on UFC Fight Pass and see if I'm accurate about that. But uh, it's good to have you with us. It is Monday, April 12th, 2021, episode 296 of the Florian and Anik podcast. What do you think about that for a show name, Kenny? The Florian and Anik podcast. We've been saying Anik and Florian for so long. It doesn't, it, it doesn't, it's like, you know, you don't say pepper and salt. You say salt and pepper. 
for whatever you know what i mean it's just for whatever reason so dating to mma live in 2008 that was the first time i introduced us together you know and and obviously you were sitting to my left and you know john anna kenny florian franklin mcneil they're on the fucking end right uh But it was always, you know, John Anakin, Kenny Florian. So we do the first or third episode of this podcast, and we had Hall of Fame boxing writer Kevin Ioli on the show. And he said, oh, Kevin, great to be with you. know, Great to have you with us. And he says, uh, John, I don't know how you got top billing on this podcast exactly, you know, <laughs> given the fact that Kenny has has three times fought for a UFC championship. And uh, I don't know you exactly what point, you are. Dude. You run the point. That's how well, it is. Right. I said I sort of started the show, so I guess I, I got that distinction. But uh, Absolutely, do. I don't know if we're going to change it to Florian and Anik here at 296 <laughs> episodes in. But uh, it's good to have you with us. We have a lot to get to today. Of course, we're going to spend the bulk of the next 25 minutes recapping UFC Fight Night, Vittori versus Holland. I don't know where Ray Longo is. He might be in South sleeping. Carolina. Yeah, I mean, probably sleeping at this point. 35 a.m. Eastern. Uh, Ray is scheduled to join us in about 30 minutes. And uh, it was a big week for uh, for Team Anik and Ian Parker. So we'll see if Ken Flo has anything to say about that in the main event Ooh. challenge as we spin things forward to UFC Fight Night Whitaker versus Gastelum. Um, but let us not shortchange the athletes who all produced over the weekend. I would like to start with Mackenzie Dern, who's actually my new favorite fighter. Uh, but let us start with Marvin Vittori. 50 to 44 times three unanimous decision over Kevin Holland. And uh, Kenny, a lot of people felt as though Marvin was going to be able to do what he wanted with Kevin Holland on the ground and largely his physicality, his strength was too much. And uh, this is the path of least resistance and the path that a lot of people are going to take against a special long range weapon type striker in Kevin Holland. What were your thoughts on the main event? Listen, I, I thought Marvin Vittori uh, did take that path of least resistance. That was, um, you know, where he was going to encounter, um, you know, the, the least dangerous, uh, you know, Kevin Kevin Holland. And I think that that was proven correct. He was exposing uh, the lack of wrestling of Kevin Holland. And I think, you know, he really did benefit from watching him in the Derek Brunson fight. Kevin Holland is billed as this Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt uh, and, you know, against your typical fighter, Kevin Holland might do well on the ground, but Marvin Vittori, his size, his awareness, uh, his grounded pound, his positioning was just way too much for Kevin Holland. I think Vittori physically is going to be uh, a problem for a lot of guys in that division. I do think that for Vittori, I was looking for more composure or, um, a much improved striking game. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, not, not that he was trying to do that against Kevin Holland, but there were times where his head was a little bit upright, where I thought it was a little bit scary for him. I think that's a testament to both Kevin Holland's reach and to Kevin Holland striking a bit. Um, but uh, for Vittori, I thought it was a solid performance. He did exactly what he needed to do. He came in tremendous shape. Um, and it was it was largely a dominant performance. For Would him. there be any pardon for Marvin Vittori insofar as he was preparing for a southpaw in Darren Till for eight weeks and then got the quick turn, right? Like, I think you assessed mm. him perfectly, right? And yes. certainly watching Rafael Cordero in the corner, you know, when there were a few moments of trepidation on the feed and he got that big takedown, you saw the corner sort of exhale. Um, but I do believe that, you know, he was preparing for a decidedly different challenge. And I just think there was a lot of pressure on him to just win. And uh, I don't know. I'm not trying to sit here and pardon the guy. But sure. I do think it was a hard late pivot for him is all. I think I think that's always difficult, John. I, I think that's a good point. However, when I look at some of the fundamental things that's going on with Vittori, there are some issues there. And after the fight, you know, I hate coming up with these hypotheticals, right? Because the Darren Till fight didn't happen. 
However, he would have really struggled in that fight against yeah, Darren Till yeah. for a couple reasons. Darren Till isn't easy to take down necessarily. I also think that Darren Hill, Darren Till um, is a much more dangerous striker as far as power. If he lands um, and he, you get an opportunity uh, like maybe Kevin Holland did a, a couple times in that fight, I think Darren Till might have been able to finish the job there. Vittori has a great chin. He's tough. However, I think it would have been a tough matchup for him. So I, I was a little disappointed in, in, in that regard for Vittori because I was right, expecting right. a little bit more. Sure. But you're right. It's always difficult. Anytime you need, a, you know, it, it's a quick turnaround against a completely different opponent. And for Marvin Vittori, right, this doesn't have people necessarily all jonesing for the Adesanya rematch right now. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know that he maximized this showcase per se. You know, then you have a guy like Arnold Allen, who we will get to, right, who who fights outstandingly but doesn't finish Sadiq Youssef and almost undercuts himself in the post-fight interview. He's like, you know, right. I, I was going to call for somebody in the top five, but I didn't finish this absolute warrior. It's like, Arnold, yeah. don't sell yourself. Short brother, top five competition is next, you know. Um, right. But I want to stay on this first before we get yeah. to Arnold Allen. So Kevin Holland has said a lot of things to us over the years in our fighter meetings. I want to get to two of them. One thing he said, Kemplo, is that, you know, I'm a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and in a grappling setting in my gym, I submit all these guys. Like, I'm not so sure that he submits Marvin Vittori in his gym in a grappling setting. I guess it's neither here nor there, but you got anything for me on that? Because uh, I don't know. I think that Marvin Vittori would make things pretty difficult and is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt credentialed in his own right. Yeah, I, listen, I think a, a couple things, right? We are most comfortable in our own gym. Um, and I know I I experienced that issue, um, you know, when I was training in Boston prior to the BJ Penn fight. I was never put in any difficult situations. I was never really challenged by guys. Even when I would bring a, a guy uh, in to train here and there, um, you know, I would I would get the better of him. So that doesn't that that's not a good thing. That doesn't mean that I'm great. It right. means that I need to be pushed and I need to be training with better guys. And right. that was a big lesson for me after the BJ Penn fight. You know, I remember Keith asking me, hey, when was the last time someone's been on your back trying to submit you? And I was like, uh, I don't yeah. know, man. Like, yeah. for real? I don't know. Yeah. And that Best was an issue. Taking my back. That's the luck trying to get no. there. <laughs> so that was a problem. I, it, me, it meant I needed to be training with guys who could do that and who were going to really try to beat me up. And uh, for Kevin Holland, it might mean him going elsewhere, not not leaving Travis Luter's gym, right, but right. you know, it, training with other high level guys or bringing in higher level jujitsu guys because his grappling does need work. Another thing that Kevin Holland has said to us in the past was that he's going to take some time off to invest in his strength and conditioning because to to sustain at 185 pounds, it's very hard to do so. Right now, Daniel Cormier and Dominic Cruz were very critical of his fundamentals, and Cruz even going so far as to say, you know, this is basic stuff. Uh, but I do believe he would be well served to put on some muscle. And when you keep this type of breakneck UFC schedule fighting every six weeks, not having training camps, not only does it not leave developmental time for wrestling fundamentals, which are very difficult, but it doesn't leave a whole lot of time to add muscle mass. What are your thoughts on Kevin Holland's future uh, as a, a bona fide UFC middleweight contender and how he should best use his time between fights? You know, um, I definitely benefited from doing some strength conditioning. That is always going to help. Um, and I do think that there's going to be gains for Kevin Holland. I didn't necessarily see a Kevin Holland that was, um, you know, tired during that fight necessarily. I, right. I still saw, like, like Dominic Cruz said and Daniel said, a lot of fundamental issues with him. This is how I see it. When I look at what I need to improve on, I say, what kind of gains can I make with 
let's say, investing in a wrestling coach or investing in, you know, bringing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black, the world-class Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt into my into my camp, right? I think on a technical level, I could improve, let's say, thirty percent or forty percent, um, you know, in, in, a, in a fight camp in like say three four months time. How how much stronger or faster will I get in a three or four month time? I don't know. If you're doing really really solid work, uh, maybe ten percent stronger. Realistically, right? It's like three or four months. How much stronger and faster is the human body actually going to get? Right. I don't I know. Would. I think I think I think the gains are probably minimal in 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 regards to you know when you compare it to the technical gains you can make. So I yeah. do I do agree with you. He needs to get bigger and stronger. He looked way too small against someone like Vittori. He looked way too small against someone like Brunson. Um, and I don't think he cuts a whole lot of weight. However, I, I think that the investment should be made in his technical training. There is a yeah. lack of of grappling knowledge there that he could really use. And as far as the weight is concerned, how do you feel about John Jones saying publicly that he wants to be in Ganu's size or bigger when he moves on up, right? You know, one of the big handicapping angles for me going into these Nganu fights is like, is the dude giving up 30 pounds to start, right? Because there are weight classes. And uh, I do believe if Kevin Holland is going to realize a championship, it's probably going to have to be down at 70. Do you agree with Johnny Bones moving all the way up there weight-wise and then cutting it? Can you imagine John Jones coming that's up, uh, like showing up on Tuesday at like 274 and cutting right. <laughs> Yeah, and, well, that's the other thing. You know, he he certainly has some some big brothers uh, for sure. Uh, so, but, you know, if you're, if you're going to put in that much weight, if you're going to put on that much muscle, and if that's even possible – yeah. Um, you want to make sure you're putting on the right way. You want to make sure it's muscle, but then your body's not necessarily used to carrying that much muscle. So how does right. your body feel after five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 25 minutes of carrying an extra 30 pounds, put a 30 pound backpack on yeah, right. and, and go do your regular workouts. It's going to be tiring. It's going to take your body a while to get adjusted to that. Right. Oh, so I'm looking at the UFC middleweight rankings. And again, all praise to Marvin Vittori, right? Like the Italian dream is a major factor in this 185 pound division. He's still going to be a pain in the ass to fight for a lot of these guys. He doesn't go away. So Israel Adesanya is the champion right now without an obvious opponent. Whitaker and Gastelum are fighting this weekend. So probably going to have a more extensive conversation on this next week. Paulo Costa is number two. He's on the mend. Darren Till, number five. He's on the mend. Cannoneer had a major injury. He's three. Brunson and Vittori round out the top six. So Marvin's getting a big fight. You know, he's calling for a title fight, yeah. and the calendar might just align for that. But uh, congratulations to uh, to Marvin Vittori. We'll see where Kevin Holland goes from here. Arnold and Allen and the – go ahead, kid. Go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I just wanted – I wanted to give Holland some props real quick because, you know what, we were, we were pretty harsh on him, and a lot of people were pretty harsh on Kevin's last performance. He was right. talking a lot. But it wasn't the talking necessarily that was the issue. It was him not he, – he lost that fighting spirit, it seemed, against Brunson. He wasn't – it seemed like he wasn't trying. Against, uh, against Vittori, he was – most certainly trying. And he had that warrior spirit. He was fighting to the end. He looked like he was trying to win that fight for every second of that fight. And he deserves props for that. He came back. And although he didn't get the win, I think there was some redemption there on, on the part of his character, on the part of him as a fighter. So I think he should be applauded for that. 
I agree, and I think it's important that you uh, that you got that out there. Our producer Cody was texting me during fight week, saying, "Man, I'm loving everything I'm seeing and hearing out of he Kevin really Holland." Focused. He yeah. was absolutely, and he was great in our fighter meeting. And you know, I think just a lot of us in the space believe in him to such an extent. He just has right. so many weapons and so much potential that I think if it was harnessed in the right way, uh, you could be looking at, at a real problem. Speaking of problems, uh, Arnold Allen just continues to get better. I haven't been able to see him fight live all that often, but every time I do, I come away wicked impressed. And Super Sadiq Yusuf, I think, is championship material in the future as well. So decision was unanimous for uh, Arnold Almighty Allen. Kenflo, what would you think of the co-main event? I thought this was the best fight of the night for me as far as technique and back and forth. Uh, Sadiq Youssef, I thought, was winning uh, those rounds, and then Arnold Allen happened. Uh, you know, so Arnold right. did a great job of landing the bigger strike, hurting him, almost finishing him on two different occasions in two different rounds. Um, just uh, brilliant stuff there from Arnold Allen. And then, you know, he was really smart in his approach as far as, you know, clinching with him and slowing him down. Anytime Sadiq Youssef started to get some momentum going, it was either a damaging strike that almost knocked him out or he would clinch him up and slow him down. So yeah. I thought it was really brilliant stuff on the part uh, of Arnold Allen and his team. Of course, Faraz Sahabi, one of the best and smartest in the game. Yeah. Uh, so I was really happy for those guys. I thought Sadiq Youssef's speed, you know, Ian was talking about the speed of Arnold Allen. I thought Sadiq Youssef was the, was the faster guy. I think he proved that um, on, on Saturday afternoon. But it, it didn't matter. E either way, Arnold Allen was getting the better of him. He was picking the better shots. Um, and he found a way to win. I thought that Sadiq Youssef showed the heart of a champion, but Arnold Allen is certainly someone to watch. Uh, and uh, I was impressed. I, I think he's a, a really tough kid with a bright future. So good. And uh, his father, Pacer Allen, I was watching some video of him powerlifting in his backyard. I mean, Arnold Allen is a strong, strong boy. And, uh, you know, he's ranked number 10 in the world right now. Youssef was 11. And Allen, as I said, sort of cut down his own win a little bit in terms of needing a finish to face somebody in the top five. You know, I think he could face a guy like Cater on the men, potentially. I'm looking at guys like Yair Rodriguez and Zabit Magomed Sharipov. Dan Ige is booked, of course. Josh Emmett is on the men. Korean zombie against Ige. We'll see. But uh, Arnold Allen's a real factor. And you don't go 8-0 in the UFC by accident, Kenny. So no. he has really been progressively like match made the right way. I think they've handled him well with the challenges. He has, has had some close fights. He's been challenged in different ways. So I think he's been bred to be a champion the right way. And I'm really excited to see where they go with, uh, with Arnold Allen. Um, Julian Marquez certainly resonating with fight fans to whatever degree the Kansas city chiefs now know who he is. Courtesy of a big win over smile and Sam Alvey 50th pro fight for Alvey. So much respect to Sam Alvey in defeat, but, uh, What'd you think of the Julian Marquez submission there on the main card? Yeah, listen, I think really the, the finishing um, move was the shots, right? I mean, he he really finished him with the striking. Alvi was completely out of it, uh, and then of course the the guillotine really was kind of the cherry on top. Um, that was a, a good way to put someone out like like Alvi, who was you know obviously determined to keep fighting. Um, and I thought Marquez did a good job largely. Um, you know, I think that he still needs to get better defensively, but I, I think he did a great job uh, of getting a very tough dude in Alvi out of there, getting a big win and, um, you know, finishing that submission is, is not easy, but, uh, it really started with those big shots. He hurt Alvi on a couple of different occasions. Marquez hits extremely hard. He's an athletic dude. 
Uh, and he and he seems like a, a fun, goofy guy. So he seems like yeah. a, a fun guy to hang out with. Mackenzie Dern over Nina Nunez by armbar with 12 seconds to go in round one. Mackenzie Dern is unbelievable. I'm not sure there's any fighter on the roster whom I enjoy pre- preparing to call a fight for than Mackenzie because I always get to go back and watch that Gabby Garcia jiu-jitsu match even just for a couple yeah. minutes to see her <laughs> outgrapple somebody that weighs 127 pounds more than she does. But, uh, you know, Anakin Florian pod poll question today. We'll talk about this win singularly, but poll question today, will Mackenzie Dern be a UFC champion before her MMA career is over? 62% of you believe that she will, and I would be among that 62%. A lot of different stylistic challenges above her in the top 10 at 115 pounds. Tatiana Suarez would make for a fascinating fight. Um, But Mackenzie Dern is on the fast track. Ken Flo, your thoughts on another submission win for the submission queen, Mackenzie Dern? You know, when you put it into the context of, of what Nina Ansaroff has accomplished and the kind of fighter that she is, I think I think it elevates that win that much more for Mackenzie Dern. Nina is not an easy girl to put away. She is as tough as they come. Very good grappler. Um, she is tough from the long range when it comes to striking as well. She's a smart fighter. And Mackenzie Dern was able to take all of that away from her. And it showed also that the level that she has on the ground. Again, it, it wasn't a huge surprise as far as what she was able to do on the ground. She's going to be able to do that to yeah. anyone in the division. Let, let's be honest Yeah, on right. the ground. She's just right. going to be able right. to do that. I don't care if you're Valentina Shevchenko or Rose Namajunas or, you know, uh, Zhang Wiley, Zhang Wiley, Zhang Wiley. Um, she's, she's going to mess you up on the ground. Um, yeah. She's just yeah. that good. She's, she's, I guess you could say she's the best jujitsu black belt to ever compete in the women's division. I mean, you look at her pedigree and what she's accomplished. She is extremely impressive. She is improving her striking. She's improving her wrestling. Um, And I think if she's able to get some more experience, I I would like to slow that down a little bit, that trajectory in some ways, because I think experience will be her best friend moving forward. I'd like to see her striking get a little better. I'd like to see her wrestling get a little better, but she's on the right path, man. And, Again, she gets it to the ground against anybody in that division. Yeah. She's going to win, period. And she is in that Jacare Damian Maya conversation, right, in terms of the most yes. world-class Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioners to ever cross into the UFC. Yes. And, and I'm going to say this sort of to make Ken Flo laugh, and hopefully he does, right? But, you know, she'll go over to the American top team corner with the greatest of all time, Amanda Nunes, and one of the greatest jiu-jitsu coaches in the MMA space, Bahumpa, right there, with an athlete in Nina Nunes who knows exactly how to defend all these positions, right? right. So go right over into the corner and submit Nina in front of all you goddamn people. And those are some of my favorite people in the world. But she is unbelievable. And in terms of the fast track, like I think that's the only point on which we disagree. Like Brian Ortega is a good point of comparison. And I think it was my friend, our friend Derek Thompson from our UFC crew who brought this up to me maybe after the fact. But, you know, Brian Ortega in his division he kind of had to develop elite striking in hands, right? To go with the whole jujitsu package if he was going to become champion and he's going to get another opportunity to become champion. You know, Mackenzie Dern at 115 pounds, the deepest women's division, right? The hands do have to close that gap. But I don't know that she needs to get as good at striking as Brian Ortega does necessarily to become champion. But I do believe that having only had 11 months or 10 months with Jason Perillo, like wait till she's had three years with her, with him as her striking coach. I'm, I'm really excited to see where she can go. John, I think that's a valid point. I, I, the only thing I would add is that, you know, 
and that that's why I think it's it's imperative that she gets better with her wrestling, you know, uh, being able to get it to the mat and especially getting on top of anyone in that division. They're done. They're done. Mackenzie will submit you. It's like playing Wayne Gretzky back in the day. Yeah. You can't stop them. You can only yeah. hope to contain that. That's Mackenzie Dern on the ground. Yeah. Unbelievable. So fun to watch. And uh, I just love the way she has embraced everything about mixed martial arts now, because that wasn't always the case. And it almost seems as though she needed a child to surface this type of motivation. It's true. Dude, though, she looked Flo. in like, tremendous shape, by the way. Oh, she dude. was yeah, she was ripped. That's the oh. best I've ever seen her physically, spiritually. She was just in a great place. You could see it. Yeah. And now she's putting training camp on, on top of training right. camp. And the results really speak to that. But I remember one of my first fighter meetings with Mackenzie Dern, and she said, you know, I'm hoping to win the UFC strawweight title, defend the belt, and then go back to the jiu-jitsu world. And I do believe that maybe those goals have changed. We didn't have a fighter meeting with her this time around. Right. We did have a media scrum, and, and we've spoken to her quite a bit. But I don't know. I think those goals might have changed, and uh, I'd be very interested to see her right now against anybody in the top five. And she is so focused, hyper-focused in the best of ways on the division that she kept talking about all these big strawweight fights that are about to happen. Of course, the title fight coming up in two weeks, and then Jan Chownot and Carla Esparza in May. So uh, Mackenzie Dern is going to factor prominently in that equation and uh, couldn't happen to a better young woman. Uh, speaking of good things happening to good people, how about Daniel D. Rod Rodriguez by unanimous decision over Platinum Mike Perry Daniel Rodriguez had less than two weeks to prepare for his first four UFC fights, right? So two weeks for some, 10 days for others, full training mm -hmm. camp, physically can flow, looked like a totally different guy in terms of the tightness of his physique. And uh, I don't know, I think he's a special striker, can lean on some Eddie Bravo Brazilian jiu-jitsu credentials if need be as well. And uh, I don't know, I really like D-Rod four and one out of the shoot here in the UFC welterweight division. Your thoughts? You know, listen, I thought that he had an excellent performance against Mike Perry, who is a very dangerous fighter. Um, and he utilized the right weapons at the right time. That jab was pumping. Um, and that left hand, uh, you know, uh, was was tremendous as well. It hurt, hurt Perry um, on multiple occasions. And he just proved to be the more technical, uh, more well-rounded fighter out there. Uh, did a good job of keeping his composure when he got taken down, was able to get back to his feet. Um, and yeah, I think D rod is someone to watch and he's someone that is improving and is really, uh, looking like he's a student of the game. He's not just out there to brawl. I think if he brawled, uh, yeah. more, he would have had much more trouble against Perry, but he was right. smart. He was composed. He, he knew that he was the longer, uh, striker and he used it to his advantage. And, um, you know, Mike Perry, uh, really took a lot of damage out there, but, uh, man, I thought it was a really solid performance from D rod. So I talked to my friend <clears throat> Cesar Carnero from MMA Masters the night before the Mike Perry fight, and uh, they had a conflict in South Florida that they could not miss. So that's why Daniel Valverde and Cesar Carnero were not there to corner Mike Perry. But they said so many nice things about him, Ken Flo, that he's attended every group class. He's like teaching. I mean, he's really been motivated by his son, not unlike Mackenzie Dern, by her daughter. And I think the, the fact that he was 170 pounds and not 171 is a little bit telling, but he is seven and eight now in the UFC is platinum Mike Perry. So he has backed himself into a corner now, Kenny essentially mm -hmm. ha has a must win in, in his next fight, which is the last fight on his contract. What do you think about Mike Perry real quick? I mean, some would say he's undersized for this division and, and there are going to be some really tough, long challenges for him at welterweight. I like that. He's willingly mixing it up with the wrestling. And I do think the more time he spends at MMA masters with Colby Covington and those guys, the better, but, uh, I don't know, man. Perry's really discouraged. You know, he said on social media, I used to be good. And, and he's having a having a hard time finding the stroke these days. 
You know, it, it can be fixed. I, I truly believe that. I, I think that Mike Perry is as tough as they come. Um, I think that, you know, having a child can definitely keep you focused. I think he needs to stay with that focus and continue, be, continue to be a student of the game. His Listen, his biggest problem, like so many UFC fighters out there, is he needs to fix his footwork and his defensive capabilities. Um, yeah. That is always going to be his weakness if he doesn't fix that. Um, he's too flat-footed. He comes, you know, in, in a direct straight line in, into people's punches, which, which is not uh, advisable. Um, even if you have um, a, a superhuman chin like Mike Perry, yeah. But um, uh, yeah, so I, I'd like to see him create more angles. I'd like to see him a little bit more bouncy on his feet. If he's able to fix his footwork, I think he's going to make huge changes in his game and and can be a completely different fighter. I hope so. I hope so. I don't think I have a great chin. This guy, Brian Foster uh, at Gettysburg College back in the day, he didn't even hit me that hard. And I did not take that that shot very well. <laughs> Uh, I don't think Longo's in the lobby yet. Could you imagine if we now spend like 10 minutes on Selecki and Gamrot and Longo's waiting? The dude would absolutely kill me. All right, so Joe Selecki over Jim Miller in a prelim fight by unanimous decision. So one of the three judges had it 30 to 27 Selecki. So how you don't give Jim Miller that first round when he right. outgrappled Selecki to that? Like it's an effective grappling round. It's like, what are you fucking watching out there? Go ahead, please. Yeah, please. how do you... How do you give Jim Mill? How do you give Selecki the first round, but then give Selecki the second? You know, not give Selecki the second. You know what I mean? Like, how do, how does that happen? Where you can give Selecki both the first and the second, because yeah. Selecki did the exact same thing that Miller did in the first. So I don't. Well, no. So two that. of the three judges had it right. Two one right, for exactly. Selecki giving him. But two one of them had three. a thirty twenty seven. Right. Yeah, thirty to twenty seven. Yeah, insane that you could watch those five minutes and write down 10-9 Selecki. Maybe maybe they just got the fighters confused. Anyway, so, you know, I feel like you sort of were insinuating, and I don't disagree that maybe Marvin Vittori could have done a little bit more, you know, even just showing you a few things that made you feel like he was a little bit more dangerous on the feet. So I think this is a nice win for Joe Selecki, but not unlike Vittori, I was expecting to see a little bit more. I still think the ceiling is high for Joe sure. Selecki. Um, what, what are your thoughts on where he is young man three and zero in the UFC? Listen, I, I think that's fair, John, you know, um, I think for Selecki to go against, a, um, an experienced veteran like Jim Miller is no easy task. However, we do use veterans, um, as the measuring stick, right? Uh, yeah, Jim right. Miller is, is a guy that's kind of, um, I would never say gatekeeper in a way, but he is right. certainly a, an excellent measuring stick to how far you can go in that lightweight yeah. division, which is absolutely stacked. Um, and I think it was, it was a very close fight. I think he's going to learn a lot from that experience, but as far as, you know, Selecki's trajectory, um, I, I don't think we are all as high on him as we, yeah. as we would have liked to see, but I do yeah. think he is going to get a lot better from that fight and he's going to fix a lot of things and he's going to get his footwork better and, and all yeah. that stuff. But I think he did a good job of, of doing what he needed to do to win that fight. Um, I, I did have him losing that first round. He did a great job of coming back and fighting back against a really tough opponent in Miller and getting the win. So yeah. I think he'll uh, learn a lot from it and get better from that experience. However, um, I, I agree. He's got some work to do, but, you know, every every fighter does. We should do a two-minute drill so we can spend two minutes on all these performances. We congratulate Mataj Gamrot, Jack Shore, and everybody else, and potentially more of that coming up with Longo. Uh, and speaking of which, guess who's in the lobby, right? Woo! 
We only made him wait like 90 seconds. Let's get to the Ray Longo Minute. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Last week, it was the greatest Ray Longo minute in the history of the program. So we'll see what Ray has for an encore. <laughs> Woo! Morning, Ray. There'll be no encore. This is, uh, yeah. this is the dead Ray Longo minute. Yeah. <laughs> well, if, if Cody was only speeding on you fixing your hair with your own spit a moment ago, it might have oh, trumped yeah. last week's, but he wasn't speeding. So, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> Funny, got this can, uh, can you grab a rake from the garage? <laughs> 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 yeah. Come on. Oh, Rake's a pretty good start. Rake is a pretty good start. So you fly all the way down to South Carolina. And Chris Weidman, these guys just want to, like, mess with you and piss all over you. Their Instagram stories. It's like I came down here. If you think that he had me down there for training, you guys would be absolutely (laughs) incorrect. Right. Basically just comic relief. Basically just takes his cock out and just starts pissing (laughs) on me. It was like, there's a picture from the airport. I mean, it's, like, horrendous. (laughs) Oh, um, yeah, I mean, I'm watching these like the Rodney Dangerfield the MMA. No respect. You know what it is? <laughs> I swear to God, because I, I don't come from that era. But me, you can yeah, like I'll turn around. The guy's got the phone up my ass. Like it, it it's incredible. That this <laughs> is all this guy's thinking about. Dude, like, put, let me tell you something. If he puts this much energy into the fight, he's gonna knock this guy out in about twenty five <laughs> seconds. I swear to God, it's it's amazing, <laughs> amazing. You're making they me lose you. my voice you. with this. But yeah, I mean, you know, Ray's just sitting there on the couch. Everybody's watching TV. It's like Ray's just trying to like open a packet of crackers or something. And uh, right, has a cellular telephone like up his ass every minute, just filming you and hazing you. And yeah. Out of business is his son kicked over the table. So there was shit all over the place. He doesn't know that. He comes back, he films me, thinks I'm making a mess. Oh, I go, guys, nice. I, just crazy. But right. What, oh, a, got, what a beautiful house he has. And, uh, he looks good, man. He's doing great. Family, his family's outstanding. You know, yeah. he's got a he's got a good thing going on. Hashtag Carolina Chris. It's all seemingly yeah. working out. No, hashtag Raleigh Ray. How's that? <laughs> yeah, Raleigh Ray. That works. Too. I like that. Just amazing how quickly you guys will, you know, just take on, you know, like you well, think like, hashtag hashtag like Johnny Boca. Like I, you know, I'm a Boston guy. Boston guy. Oh, you wait, know, wait. it's amazing. That that's him. I'm never I'm never leaving Long Island. I think and I'm I it's like I don't even have to research Wadman because when he walks out, I'm just gonna be like, Well, here is the former undisputed UFC middleweight champion calling himself Carolina Chris these days, you know, because he moved his training camp to South Carolina. Ray Longo's still in the corner though. Um <laughs> all right, so Aljamain Sterling is having neck surgery, and yeah. we all wish Aljo the best. He seems to be optimistic as to the recovery, maybe maybe only three months before he's able to resume cardiovascular type training. Yeah. Um, but man, there's a lot of layers to this, Ray, given the nature of the title fight and everything else that is going on. I'd imagine there was some sort of decision as to whether or not, you know, to go through with this. What, what can you tell us as far as the neck and how Al Jermaine is doing? If you'd be so kind, uh, you know, mentally, I think he's in a good spot. Uh, you know, physically his, I think it was his left tricep. He was, you know, was shrinking or he was had some atrophy and he didn't have the strength, but, uh, I thought, uh, you know, he was getting the surgery, then he was going to try to rehab. And then I think he went back to the doctor. They were going back and forth and he just decided to have the surgery. I mean, I, me personally, I would have 
rather see if he could have got through with a, with that rematch and then, you know, handled business from there. But, uh, right. you know, if he feels like that's what he has to do to be mentally confident, especially, uh, then that's what he's going to do. So I think right, it's right. Unfor- definitely crazy timing. Uh, I mean, wow. the, you know, I mean, he, this guy can't even get neck surgery without people coming out of the woodwork and, and crapping all over him. He's well, just- and the real issue too, is that this will probably just give those people more fuel unfortunately, uh, and more ammunition. It's really disgusting in a lot of respects, right? Because, uh, he might he might lose this Jan fight now. I mean, Kenflo, hopefully he doesn't get stripped of the title. I mean, Kenny, do you think they try to do like an interim belt? Like, what do you do? Well, that that's my concern for Aljo at this point, right? Um, you know, the, the unfortunate circumstances around, you know, his last fight are there. Uh, and now with the surgery, you know, pushing things back a little bit, um, I, I'd imagine they they might be leaning towards taking the belt away from him now, especially since we don't know exactly when he's going to be coming back from this next surgery, which um, can, can definitely take some time. Man, and, I, and you got to hope everything goes right. I think Weidman had well, the exact exactly. same surgery. So I think he's getting okay. an official disc uh c6 maybe a seven but i mean you'd have to talk to him i, I forget so ray one. this is something he's been dealing with for for a, for a while now right or he's always had neck problems but i okay. you know I, I think uh this exacerbated it you know getting yeah. neat like that so uh right i mean i would imagine if you're the athlete and you can prove medically you know how dire the circumstances are you make it harder to be stripped of the belt i mean i can understand why jan given the way he looked in the fight up until that colossal mistake that shouldn't just be discounted by people by the way you know i finally saw aljo ray and i tried to like tell the guy it's like dude like you still had to get to the title fight and the champion made a mistake you know uh, but For Jan, because of how good he looked and how excited everybody is about him, I wouldn't be surprised if they would try to turn him around in an interim setting in a few months here. But hopefully they don't strip your guy. That sounds harsh to me. Uh, Who knows what they're going to do. But, you know, like, again, I think you hit on something. It really is unfortunate. The guy took an illegal knee, and it was pretty bad. You know what I mean? And uh, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it really uh, kind of the timing of everything just stinks. and. I think because of, like you said, because of the circumstances and the way it went down, I can't see this being a good thing. But uh, the, the good thing is he'll be healthy. I mean, that, yeah. that, and like, again, yeah. we overlook, we were overlooking, you know, the safety of the fighter all the time. But uh, right. Right. Uh, it, it's just crazy. But uh, yeah, he's not, he's definitely not getting any sympathy from his, <laughs> from the fan base. Yeah, well. <laughs> Just got to tune out that noise as best he can. Bantamweight is so good right now. I don't know if you saw what Jack Shore did this weekend to improve to 14-0. and 0, But, I mean, it's like Jack Shore, I don't know what the UFC rankings are. He might be like number 30 in the world. And the dude looks like he can beat some guys in, you know, the bottom half of that top 15 potentially in a year or two. Uh, we'll see what they do. Hey, what would you think of this show on ABC, Ray? What would you think of the early start time, the main event? What do you have for us on the uh, Vittori Holland card, brother? Well, you know, I got back late Friday night, so I got to the gym. I, I didn't even know it was on that early. I was so looking forward to doing my thing at the gym and going home and watching right. the fights that it kind of somebody, you know, I walked in and the fights were on. I go, you got to be kidding me. And they said, no, the main event starts at three. So I, I really, I'm going to say probably only caught the main event. Do so you I have cable? To- Do you have cable at home still? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. No, you and me both. I'm saying there are a lot of people who don't have cable. You know, well, Kenfo looks like a little bit like a cord cutter to me. I don't know. <laughs> no, they watch on like devices, right? So they'll like right. they'll buy ESPN Plus and Hulu and whatever the hell else. 
but they won't Screaming have like people. they won't have like Comcast, you know. Uh, they won't have like Xfinity boxes at the house, you know. Oh, so the streamers you're talking about? See, for yeah. me though, it's like I hate having to go into an application to watch a UFC fight night. You know, like I want to be able to turn on my TV, you know, flip from diners, drive-ins, and dives right back to UFC fight night. I don't want to have to change the input and all that, Ray. You feel can't me argue, at all? Can't argue with that. I feel you. Okay. I do feel you. I yeah. do feel you. So, uh, well, what'd you think about Marvin Vittori? Because this middleweight division is is very interesting right now. You know, Ken Flo sort of liked it overall. No argument with domination, but maybe didn't maximize the showcase to the extent to which some thought he could. What'd you think of uh, Marvin Vittori, Raymond? No, listen, I, I, I thought Vittori did great. I thought he fought a smart fight based on what he saw with the Brunson fight. And uh, look, he takes a big chance with taking this guy at last minute. He's very dangerous standing up. And uh, I, I honestly, I give it up to both guys. I like the fact that uh, Holland came in more serious. You know what I mean? He wasn't playing around, but uh, he definitely unequivocally now knows he's got a major deficit in his game, you know, uh, that he, he's got to work on for sure. And uh, I like again, Vittori. You know, he wants to fight. He proves that, man. He didn't give yeah. a shit who they were going to put in there. Right. I do think you know, on the feet, Holland's very dangerous, and he didn't care. And he did what he had to do, which didn't make for maybe the the most exciting fight. But you know, he was able to to have that output over five rounds and win the fight. I thought it was a, a smart fight. And I appreciate you giving Marvin credit, right? Because oftentimes yeah. in these short notice situations, it's only the guy who's not on the books who gets the credit for stepping up, you know, right, like right. Paul I mean, Felder deserved all the credit in the oh, world without right? it, without to fight doubt. Rafael Dos Anjos. Without like, a doubt. RDA still has to take the fight too. You know, that's right, all right. I'm saying. Vittori still has to take the fight too. Right. And there are a lot of guys who are like, you know what? It's not worth it to fight Kevin Holland. I'm not going to save the day yeah, for you guys. And Vittori. Yeah, I think he's yeah. that guy that could be a, a spoiler, obviously. But uh, again, Vittori worked off the fact what he saw in that Brunson fight. And look, he 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 won that fight, and he won it easily. And uh, you know, I'm not about easily, but he won, he won the fight. I love Marvin you know? Vittori. I'm not no, getting an Italian flag tattoo if he wins the there's, title. There's one, there's one, th- there's, <laughs> there's one thing about him. That kid, he he wants to fight. You know, you're gonna have to knock him out to to beat him or choke him out or you know. But he he wants to fight, and he proved it with with just accepting that fight. And uh, he saved the main event, and so did Holland. And I, <clears throat> I give Holland credit, too, for jumping in right after the defeat to Brunson. So I think it was good all the way around. Was it eye appealing on ABC? Probably not. That's not yeah. the fight they wanted. But um, as far as performance-wise, you can, I don't think you can argue with it. You know, he yeah. got the W, and he, yeah. he won three rounds. So. Sorry, I just got distracted thinking that game-bred oh. uh, Usman 2, Ken Flo, might be a good opportunity for – for the second tattoo bet or third tattoo wow, bet, I should really? say. <laughs> I like it. We're getting the game bread anyway, at... so why not? If game bread beats Kamara Usman, we get the the game bread tattoo on the other side, on the other arm. So then we got two oh nine on the left arm for West Coast and game bread on the right arm for East Coast. You know, just, don't you, you love like me? It. When your career is over, you're gonna look like a you're gonna look like a gang, you know, yeah. a gangster. I like yeah. it. It's gonna I'm the yeah. laughing stock of MMA fans around the world, and I. I <laughs> Could not care less. Uh, Ray, anything else? We all are at this point. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. But uh, anything else, Ray, before we let you fly? You got a prediction for us on Robert Whitaker and uh, and Kelvin Gastelum this weekend? Man, that's a good fight. Uh, 
Dead air is always good on a podcast. What do you yeah. think? Robert Whitaker, uh, <laughs> minus 255. Kelvin Gastelum, plus 215. Yeah, I would I would say a couple of years ago, I would have went with uh, Kelvin. I'm going to go with, uh, with Whitaker. He out-hustles him. I just will never forget that day, February 9th, 2019, right, when they were supposed to fight at UFC 234. So I'm getting my cardio in at like 2 o'clock in the morning, right, because we have an early start time in Australia, and I'm coming back to my room, and I see our UFC VP of PR, Lene Breckenridge, walking down the hallway, knocks on the door of Rafael Cordero. And I'm like, oh, boy, something's going on here. And obviously, Gastelum at that point was informed that Whitaker had a major abdominal issue and wasn't going to fight, right? And that was February 2019. And here we are two and a half years later. And Ken Flo, having thrice competed for the undisputed ultimate prize in the sport. Here is Kelvin Gastelum, though, right? Two and a half years later, still has not competed for, for an undisputed world championship. Wakes up that fucking day expecting to fight for the undisputed title. And here we are almost three years later, still hasn't had that chance. So. I'll never when, he, when that guy went to Cordero's room, were you in your white robe and your uh, pipe? And your, yes, uh, your robe. I had a blunt in my yeah. hand, uh, and Lene is a woman. Yeah. yeah, did he come yeah. out? Of his eyes? Is there a problem with this pipe? <laughs> I would like to know. To tell my Belvedere, friend. will you please get the dog? Yeah, yeah. yeah. If I saw Raj put a lime in his <laughs> Yeah, that's buffer. That's buffer action. Right. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. no, Ray. <laughs> all right buddy well uh why don't you have a great week so next week we are taping on monday night because uh all of a sudden it's uh it's a pfl fight week for our guy ken floor are you available next yes. monday night next monday night around 7 p.m eastern time are you available or you got somebody I'll, coming I'll, in for I'll, a private I'll make, myself, I'll make myself available i'm a professional Boom. Wow. i will make myself available all right. and i'm i'm excited to watch the pfl for the first time in my life you know why <laughs> you have any idea why because my buddy's the announcer. Yeah. I love That's it. my guy. That's I my guy. I love it. Well, PFL, the ratings are going to go through the roof. Who, <laughs> oh, who, no doubt about it. Who's in the booth, as the saying goes? We got Give Randy it. Couture and Sean O'Connell. Why do you think they oh, wow. signed Kenflo? Nice. Sean's a nice guy. He's been there for a while. That's cool. yes. Ray, why yeah. do you think they signed Kenflo, the consummate needle mover? You don't think their internal <laughs> metrics suggest that this dude's going to move the needle? And... He might fight. Oh, stop. Dude, wow. people are, John, by the way, people are hitting me up. They're like, hey, is this true? So I know, was John kind of joking? Is, are you really going to fight? Is that you? Like, you're starting these rumors, Johnny. Yeah, what do well, people think is, go ahead, yeah, Ray, please. There's no question about it, that they hired him because of this podcast, no? Because we'll be <laughs> exactly. talking about it more. They, they already got their money's worth for, for, for today. <laughs> yeah, no? you're right. That's, uh, that's talking a good about angle. The Poll question for next week's Anakin Florian podcast. What is more likely another pro fight for Ken Flo or an amateur debut for me? You know, I don't know. I think it's a pick. Uh, oh, that's, that's hey, Ray, have a, have a great week. And, and we'll yeah. talk to you next Monday night. And if you need anything, you can text me anytime. You know that. Oh, a hundred percent. All right, man. Ray, Ray. Enjoy. Take Thank it you. Any hey, good luck hey. uh, this week too. Hey, you get Thanks, vaccinated man. yet? You get vaccinated yet? No, I didn't get vaccinated yet. Yeah. You, or are you going to get vaccinated or no? Uh, I believe I will, yeah. But I, you know, I Longo's going to go into the Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena on April 24th to corner athletes with 15,000 strong. You probably take your mask off and just take your shirt off too, huh? I, I mean, start, yeah, maybe I'll start kissing everybody too. <laughs> just, uh, make it. No, I, look, I'm hoping. 
hoping I'm hoping I still have the antibodies from when I had it. That's what That's I'm right. hoping. No, I understand. Yeah. So uh, I didn't want to get it too soon. And I respect people who uh, who are on either side. I did get my Moderna shot. Don't tell Patty Militich, but I did get the first one. And uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Uh, all right, buddy. Well, uh, hey, always great to see you. Uh, now you got me worried. Maybe I won't even show up now because I'm not vaccinated. Thank you. Carolina Chris needs needs some New York flair in that corner. So wait, 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 wait. Shout out to Wonder Boy School too, man. Upstate karate. What a great facility, yeah. man. I'm telling you, I had a great time down there. It was great seeing Ray Thompson. Wonder Boy is always just a gentleman, and they have a what a what a great modern facility. Something I'm not used to, but it was really it was a it was a pleasure. Always just the hospitality down there was fantastic and a great time. Whiteman's looking good. And let's just uh, let's go COVID contained Jacksonville. There you go. Let's <laughs> By do the it. way, Ken flows like 250 miles from yeah, Jacksonville, that, South that, Carolina. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, miscalculation. You would have liked it down there, I think. I got I got to visit, man. He drove 125 miles to a 7-Eleven. He's sitting in the parking lot, yeah, <laughs> smoking a backwood, waiting for you. Yeah, I love. <laughs> Never showed. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anything. It didn't appear that anything was too close out there, but uh, <laughs> you know, four hours is four hours. Yeah. All right. Hey, have a great day. We love you. We'll All talk right, to guys. you uh, next week. Thank you, Ray. Easy, man. Take there care. There he is, Raymond Peter Longo in your program. Ray Longo minute every week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. Two hundred ninety seventh Ray Longo minute coming up next week, folks. All right. It is now time for the pronunciation of the week. This fighter will be competing live on the main card at ESPN this weekend as we welcome in our executive producer Cody Merrow. Hi, Cody. Oh, hey, sorry. I was trying to book a flight because Ray said he's giving out kisses in Jacksonville. And right, right, I can't miss that. Right. right come on. COVID Talk about value. From Raymond in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. Can't miss out on that. So this fighter, and it's great to see you, Cody, will move up to the middleweight division to take on Jacob Malkoon on the main card on ESPN this Saturday night. Four and three in the UFC from Ghana and Fortis MMA. Of whom am I speaking, Cody? Well, John, you know, when you throw me a softball like Abdul Razak Al Hassan, I better get it right. Ah. So let's listen to the pronunciation file. Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Do I, do I need a second one? No, you're good. Two and one on the year for Cody. Outstanding. Outstanding. Don't close your camera down yet. Stay here for a minute with me. So great job, right? Because it seems simple on the surface, Abdul Razak Al Hassan, but there are a lot of opportunities to wrongly emphasize a syllable so great fucking job thank you thank you i appreciate that you know i've been getting buried by some of these so when i get one like this that i know i gotta hit it does team kenfo get points for this (laughs) yeah we we should probably work that we'll figure out a way i don't know i think team team kenfo already got points because as ray said like the production value is really what got the job signed so congratulations (laughs) to kenny florian and you know to, to me too you know just a little bit Thank you, Cody. And if you're watching on the YouTube side and you like Cody's uh, AF monogram trucker hat, you can get it right now. Anaflorianpodcast.com. AF is AF10. What's the code, Cody, for 10% off? AF10 sounds about right for 10% off of your uh, merchandise. All right, that's it for the pronunciation of the week. And as you guys know, UFC is live almost every weekend. That includes this one, UFC Fight Night. Whitaker versus Gastelum, April 17th from the Apex Prelims and Main Card on ESPN. Let's make some picks in the Main Event Challenge. It's the Main Event Challenge. And it. The time is most definitely now. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The Main Event Challenge. 
The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. And we are now joined by the Duck Ian Parker on social media at Ian Parker MMA. So Team Anik wins the week and the celebration is what? on. Ian and I were actually celebrating privately because it was a Did he just say what? Did he it just say what? <laughs> what? You're going to be really upset when you hear the score. <laughs> I want to recount. 10 to 3. I want to Huge recount. week for Team Annex, Ian Parker. So the big fight was the co-main event. People can bang on our scoring system all they want, but it's been in place for six years. So Arnold Allen, by decision, was a four-point play for Ian because Allen was the slight dog. He had the method of victory decision, and that gives him the round as well. So that opens things up. The lead is now 44 to 33. And Ian, Ian, you know, everybody's not going to be as as humble as Ken Flo in victory. So uh, – the floor is yours, my friend. Obviously, it was a bit, it was a big week, and usually that translates to the uh, to the sports book as well. What? He's winning. He hasn't won. He's yes, winning. He yes, hasn't won yet. He declared yes, I victory already. I well, no, no, no. So first year I did that, I fucked it up. Second year I didn't. I'm trying to follow the blueprint of year two, not year three. Eleven point lead beginning of April. Kenny's got plenty of time, but it's going to force him to make some. Uh, some uh, wild picks. This is this this last this past weekend, Kenny was a tough one for you. So uh, just use you, yo, just use that when you're fighting for the PFL. Just use that energy when you uh, step in the cage. You'll be fine. One of our early main event challenges, it was a different listener on every single week. And we do have a, a bankroll of listeners ready to go uh as well this year. But Ian Parker continues to hold down the slot. I look at him shake his head. Like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. I just have a perfect week and he's talking about no, 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 no. Waiting no. To jump in. no I'm right. saying there was one year, there was one year where we had like 50 different listeners, and it really came down to the wire. But what I was gonna say is the last three years. Ken Flo has dug a lead, and more often than not, he does come out of it to win. But uh, Ian obviously is in a good handicapping flow, and uh, why don't we get back to it? Uh, it's UFC Fight Night, Whitaker versus Gastelum, unless you have anything else, Ian. I, I do love you, but uh, just trying to be good to the listeners out there who all want your job too, you know? That's like, cool. Listen, look, then I'll have to just build a bigger lead, so if someone God, comes right. in for a weekend and uh, right. just loves Ken Flo too much, they want to give him the picks. Whatever, it's cool. Again, and it. as long as you come in, as Ryan Tracy did a couple weeks ago from Travis Matthew and beat Ken Flo two to one as he did, then Ian has no issues with you. It's when you start to uh, to chip away at his lead in his absence when he sends somebody to your house with all of his resources. Yeah, guys, if you're gonna jump in for the duck, just at least like go to Share Dog and like look up a record because some, some of you guys were throwing some picks out there that I literally text John and said, please don't hold it against me. Kenny even texted me and said, hey, look, I may not hold this pick against you. Some of them were a little tough, but it's all good. Now he's, banging on, now he's banging on the other cappers. All right, we're going to start oh. with the main card bout at middleweight. Abdul Razak Al-Hassan minus 300. Jacob Malkoon plus 250, Ian. So Al-Hassan moving up after missing weight in his last two at welterweight. Those ended up being losses to Chaos Williams and Munir Lazez. Malkoon on the other side melted by Phil Haas in 18 seconds on Fight Island in his UFC debut. IP, who do you have? Yeah, look, if Al-Hassan doesn't get this win, he's gone. There's no question. He's had enough time to kind of bounce back. And fighting a guy who I think is 4-1 and one with very little experience, who also likes to strike, uh, I'm going to go with Al-Hassan here just because he, he has to win. Canflow, Malkoon, Al-Hassan, who do you have? Yeah, I'm going to go with Al-Hassan as well. Um, I, I do think that uh, his back is against the wall here, but um, I, I do think that he matches up well and should get the win. I like Jacob Malkoon as well, the longtime training partner of Robert Whitaker, but he is also undersized at middleweight. If you want to say that Abdul Razak Al-Hassan, who is moving up, is undersized, so uh, we'll see how it goes. But three to one on the favorite side for Abdul Razak Al-Hassan. 
All right, the ageless Andre Arlovsky, minus 175. Chase Sherman, plus 150 in the heavyweight division here. Ian Arlovsky coming off a second-round loss to Tom Aspinall in February. No shame in that. Sherman was to face Parker Porter. Instead, he gets the big-name Arlovsky, who steps up here. Sherman has won his last four. Ian, what do you think about this one? Arlovsky favored. Yeah, listen, I see why Arlovsky is favored. However, Sherman's... um his demeanor and his aggression, I think, is what always plays against Arlovsky. When you back Arlovsky up and you hit him on the chin, he goes down. Sherman's going to be the taller guy, and I kind of like him value-wise. Arlovsky should put him on his back and not take that chance, but I don't see Arlovsky wrestling anytime soon. So I'm going to take a, I'm going to give Kenny an opportunity here to maybe score some points or bury him further. So I'm going to go with Chase Sherman. All right, Ian Parker likes the Dang. vanilla gorilla, Chase Sherman. Andre Arlovsky, UFC appearance number 35, and he has been the far more active fighter. Chase Sherman won that UFC return last year to begin his second UFC stint, but it was UFC 249 last May. Arlovsky continues to make the walk, continues to be cornered by Mike Brown, continues to be competitive. He's won two or three. Ken Flo Arlovsky, the favorite, Sherman the dog. Who do you like? Listen, I, I like Arlovsky here. Um, you know, I, I do think that Chase Sherman... Um, is not going to be an easy fight for him. I think he's very dangerous. He could certainly get a knockout against someone like Arlovsky. But I do think that Arlovsky has has looked better with this forework. He's been more defensively responsible. Um, and sometimes if you go chasing a little bit too hard against Arlovsky, he can surprise you. Um, I like Arlovsky here. Did we decide if there was a double-digit win in the main event challenge that Kemflo gets like a tattoo? We didn't agree on that, right? That happened did. last year, so I guess he's getting a duck tattoo to right on... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> duck tattoo there's not uh, a bit, there's not a bitcoin in the world for him to get a fucking duck tattoo if you're getting game bread he's getting a fucking duck <laughs> oh my gosh how long have you been in the control room hearing that game bread noise all right co-main event i'm really curious to see where you guys fall on this because the price is close jeremy stevens minus 140 dracar close plus 120 we'll need the round and the method of victory ken flo's gonna lead on the main event so ian we'll have you lead on the co-main event first a little trivia how many fights has Jeremy Stevens had at featherweight since he moved up from lightweight in 2013? Eight. 18 featherweight appearances 18? for wow. Jeremy Stevens. Only missed weight twice, Ian, but mm -hmm. he did so for the cater fight last year. Perhaps that was part of the impetus for moving back up. But now at 155, he faces Drakkar Close. He had won three in a row before Benny Daryush rallied epically on him. Close then had a fight maybe against Luis Pena, I believe, go away because of COVID-19. Huge spot for both guys, Stevens and Close. Stevens the favorite, Close the underdog. Ian, who do you have? Yeah, I'm going to go with Drakkar Close here. I think stylistically, he actually has a very good wrestling background, and I just don't know how much more damage Stevens can really take. And we know Close can, can throw and he can hit hard. As long as he doesn't do what he did with Benil Dariush and just brawl, uh, there, there's a blueprint and a method to victory here, as opposed to Stevens, who I think has to get the knockout. And I think that was the first time Close was ever knocked out in that Dariush fight. So I'm going to go with the wrestling situation plus the underdog money. So I'm going to go with your car close. Ken Flo Stevens, four losses and a no contest spanning his last five. So the last win for Jeremy Stevens came in a main event against Josh Emmett. That was February of 2018. So it's been a rough go of it of late for Jeremy Stevens, who makes his 34th UFC appearance. Pretty remarkable that Ken Flo, right? Fought fighting Dean Thomas in like 2007. Steven still only, yeah, we talk about Jim Miller, 37 UFC fights. And here this weekend, we got right. Arlovsky, 35, Stevens, 34. Uh, who do you like in the co main, Kenny? Yeah, Stevens has been fighting forever, man. This kid, kid's been fighting since he was a teenager. And I think he has fights all the way up to 170, right? Quite possibly. I don't know if he like does 45, yeah, maybe. 55, yeah. 70, maybe. Uh, anyways, 
Uh, Stevens, um, you know, I definitely has his back up against the wall here. Uh, but I do think he's fighting a guy in Drakkar Close will, who will engage him on the feet a little bit. Yes, Drakkar Close does come from that wrestling background, and he should he should certainly use that against Jeremy Stevens. But Stevens isn't exactly an easy guy to take down. Um, and uh, I think Stevens uh, has a tremendous amount of power that if Drakkar Close is not defensively responsible, I think he'll be sleeping. Um, and, uh, you know, as we saw in his last fight uh, against Daryush, he does get sloppy. Do not want to get sloppy against someone like Stevens. Um, I like Stevens here. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's go second round TKO. Wow. I love that you guys are uh, are disagreeing a little bit today. Doesn't always happen. All right. Main event. Ken Flo, you can lead us off here. It is Robert Whitaker minus 255. Kelvin Gastelum plus 215. I set up some of the history in this matchup, Kenny. I'm so thankful. Even if undisputed gold is not on the line that this fight itself came around again. Uh, what do you think about Gastelum's chances here in the role of underdog against Whitaker? Intriguing fight. You know, I think Kev Kelvin Gastelum is uh, one of the toughest guys out there. Tremendous chin. Um, he is solid everywhere. I thought he did a great job uh, in, in his last fight and, and, and squeezing out the win. Um, I, I think that this fight here um, is going to be tough um, against Whitaker. Whitaker is really difficult to take down. I think Whitaker is going to have a speed advantage here as well. Um, you know, I, I think he is obviously very comfortable, uh, you know, in this role and being in a main event at this point, he's been in some big fights. I think he realizes that if he wins this fight, he can get that rematch against Adesanya. Uh, and, um, yeah, I, I, I like Whitaker here. Um, I, I think he wins by decision. Uh, I don't think it's going to be an easy fight, but I do think Whitaker, uh, gets the W here against a very tough Kelvin Gastelum. All right, Kenthal on the favorite side in the main event. Ian, so Whitaker's won two in a row, 11 of 12 overall, two straight since the championship loss to Adesanya. And those wins came over Jared Cannonier and Darren Till. Interestingly enough, the two guys that Adesanya continues to talk about when it comes to, well, he's not talking about Cannonier anymore, but uh, those are the guys that the champion has talked about for possible title defenses. And Whitaker has wins over both of those guys. This is a definite title eliminator, right? I mean, Adesanya has fought, all these guys, Vittori, Brunson, Whitaker, Gastelum. And the winner of this one could very well have the inside track on Vittori or Brunson or anybody else, Ian Parker, Gastelum, or Whitaker in the main event. I like Bobby Knuckles here, there's no question about it. Um, you know, I just think with Kelvin, his last fight against Ian Heinish, you know, he went back to his wrestling, but Whitaker's takedown defense is just is too good, and he's just better everywhere. You know, and it's not a knock on Kelvin. I think where they were a few years ago, I might have actually leaned towards Kelvin because at the time, the way he was setting up his left hand into takedowns, he wasn't telegraphing anything. So his wrestling was dominant. I, I, then he got comfortable and he's lost. So I also don't know where his mindset is. Uh, the Ian Heinish fight, I think he kept that a little bit closer than he had to. He should have won. And that's not a knock on Heinish. He's tough. Just I feel like the difference in skill level and experience should have really favored Kelvin a lot more than it did. I just think Whitaker's in a different mental space, too. I think we know where he's at. He's a five-round main event title fighter, no matter how you skin that cat. As much as Adesanya maybe not doesn't want rematches, um, Whitaker's the guy, you know, and I think he gets by. I do agree with Kenny on the decision standpoint. Kelvin's tough to finish. Um, you know, Whitaker's not known for his submission, so I don't see any heel hooks or toe holds there like what Jack did, unless the cardio plays a factor in a round four, but the way Whitaker fought Till makes me feel like he's just trying to also stay healthy and win and he knows that all he's got to do is get the win here so i like robert whitaker by decision as well 
I got to think the odds were closer when these two were booked to fight in 2019. 100%. You know? Yeah. Um, all right. Quick picks on the way out. Um, we'll get both of these from you, Ian. Main card opener at featherweight, Bill Algio versus Ricardo Hamos. Who do you have there? I like Algio. Algio. And then at lightweight, Luis Pena is the minus 135 favorite. Alex Munoz plus 115. And I'll go with Luis Pena as well. Okay. Sorry, Kenny. <laughs> Ken Flo, Pena or Munoz for you? I like Pena. All right, and it sounds like you're on Bill Algio as well. Algio, yeah, exactly. All right, Ian Parker on social media can be found at Ian Parker MMA. The followers continue to climb, and hopefully that plug helps. See you next week. Actually, we don't have you next week. We have you in two weeks on May 1st, and we will see you then. And I appreciate all the hard work and you extending our lead in a big way, man. I texted you, congratulations. So, you, know. you, you did. I was, uh, I was. To be fair, Kenny, it was actually an email. He didn't even he didn't even text me. He he emailed me, but it's fine. <laughs> and within, it's more formal. It's more formal. And it's within thirty very business, seconds, very business cash. Yes. And within thirty, well, I know I got the standings from our intern Casey Williams, and I forward them with a congratulatory note. And within thirty seconds, this dude texted me, and we were talking. I saw. And then I forwarded it to Kenny with an eggplant, so it was totally fine. <laughs> Did he? Did no. he? No, no, I got. I hear Ray talking about Chris Weidman's, uh, Chris Weidman, and all that stuff. I don't. There's enough uh, eggplant being talked about by Ray to last uh, three episodes. That dude needs his own reality show. I can't believe there's not been a single network that just doesn't Seriously. follow Ray around. How do you not follow him on a trip to Carolina? To I mean Jacksonville. I mean he's just get on it. Yeah, no, totally, Cody. Sure. That, that's Cody's world. I'm not, I'm not following Ray. I'm not kissing Ray. And I don't want to see him with his shirt off. So we're. <laughs> oh man. How about here. Ian Parker taking some time to plug the Ray Longo minute? I mean, I you just Ray. just all about the uh, the the goodwill and and the the show as a whole. You know, we appreciate that, man. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. All right, well, have a uh, have a great week with all your dogs and dependents and children, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you in two weeks, my brother. Thank you, great job. What? what? You have more kids than me. What the fuck is this guy talking about? How many dogs do you have? I'm down to two. That's God bless you, man. <laughs> no, I'm you got serious. three kids. You got three kids. It's all right. You got three kids. I don't know how you do it. I got two. I don't know that we're we're doing it, you know? I mean, my son's I mean, like addicted to powdered munchkins and barely eats. We got a lot of issues. We're doing the best we can. That actually sounds amazing. I woke up to my son overflowing the bathtub at 3 a.m. and flooding his room for no reason. So, so like, hot, your, your problem is munchkins. My problem is fucking flooding. No, yeah. same, same thing. Yeah. All right, Ian, we'll talk to you uh, in a couple of weeks, my man. Thank you. You got it, guys. Later. See ya. All right, we got to get on out of here. Uh, thank you all for, for all the comments on YouTube and, and for all the comments on the show, both on the audio and video side. We do appreciate that. And, uh, you know, try not to fill these airwaves with fluff so much. I know today was a little bit crazy, but hopefully you know you can come here every Monday and you're getting a recap, hard recap of what you just saw and obviously predictions and uh, a forecast for the future UFC live event. Coming up next week, uh, we will get into the PFL a little bit. Week one coming up for Ken Flo. So we're very excited to see our man back on the sticks for the first time in a long time. And uh, don't forget, AnnaFlorianPodcast.com. If you want merchandise or anything else regarding the show, don't forget, remember the show with Bilal Muhammad and Jason Anik back live on this very channel coming up on Thursday night. Thank you to our executive producer, Cody Merrill, to Ray and to Ian. Uh, with that, for Ken Flo, I'm John Anik. Thank you all for listening, for watching, and uh, for doing your part out there to, uh, to maybe get vaccinated if you think that's the right decision. Patty, if not, I respect it, Patty. We'll talk to you guys next week. I got to go. Y'all later.
I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.